Hey everybody, uh, what you're going to hear today is just part one of Chris and I's evaluation of the entire Kanye Forbes interview. Uh, so part one will be posted today, you'll hear that. Tomorrow, Thursday, we'll post part two, and on Friday, we will post part three. Thanks for listening. Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. So keep it locked. I don't get enough of it. Jesus just rose again. Listen to the kids. Welcome to Watching the Throne. A lyrical analysis of Kanye West. My name's Chris Lambert. My name is Travis Bean, and God, God, I usually have some sort of clever quip, but I don't even know where to start today. <laughs> yeah, this is a uh, this is gonna be a weird one, and I think it's weird not just because of our reactions, but because of the weird reaction to the, I guess the weird reaction overall. Mm. Like it's way less clear to me than in 2018 when Kanye came out in support of Trump and had the TMZ interview like when that happened I felt kind of focused in what the talking points were and where to go with them and with this and the Forbes article that just came out the interview that he did about running for president and political contents uh, I feel way more like discombobulated (laughs) yeah like this is so dumb. This is so overly traumatic. But like my heart's racing right now because <laughs> I'm scared of like, not that I'm scared of saying the wrong thing. I really ain't because I know how I feel about it and we'll, we'll talk in depth about everything. But it's just so strange because I, I agree with you. Like this has never really happened with me before in, I guess I'll call it my Kanye fandom, but just like, just, I guess me as a follower of Kanye and appreciator of his music, um, and some of the stuff he does in the public realm, but it's always been give and take of Kanye. Like some of the stuff he does in public, like I'm not thrilled about. And today is definitely like the weirdest time for that part of me ever. Yeah. And I imagine that this is how a lot of people felt in 2018 when Kanye Mm -hmm. first started getting more political in this way and came out in support of Trump for a lot of people that was, uh disorienting that was the line for them and i imagine that this is that situation for a lot of other people because even back at that time you could point to things like well you know we know that he supports trump's like campaign and the idea of trump as president but maybe not the political views he's talked about bernie sanders There were all these, or even with the TMZ thing, like he talked about slavery, but he said 400 years and mental slavery. There were these things that I think put it into perspective. And there's so much in this interview that it's not just those two talking points, right? (laughs) It's like 57 talking points that like some of them do fall into those categories where you can point to them and be like, I understand where he's coming from here, phrasing, phrasing, but others just get at more of the fundamental issues that people like are more dead set on. And 
like take as way more in the realm of political rather than opinion, right? And looking at policy mm-hmm. rather than just yes. personal life choices. And uh, you're getting people on both sides that feel strongly for and against, which, yeah, makes for a, a, a dynamic and loaded conversation. Yeah. It, I mean, it, you, you pointed it out. It's a loaded conversation because it, it's one thing for Kanye to, like, have an opinion. Okay? Like, just let's stop and end it right there. Like, Kanye likes Trump. I know a lot of people that like Trump. You know, my dad likes Trump. And I'm not ready to, like, write off my dad. I'm ready to listen to my dad have a dialogue with my dad and understand it and that's exactly the experience i went through with kanye and his support of trump and really that's that's the deal with kanye it's always been the deal with kanye if you're a fan of kanye or even if you're not a fan of kanye and you're reacting what he's saying like it's all about how we're able to handle him and like what he believes and so me as a kanye fan of course i'm a kanye fan like i host a fucking podcast about him i'm I'm a top tier Kanye fan. So like for me, it's really like, I understand the complicated emotions that come with like liking an artist who has an opinion you don't share. I am able to separate the art and the artist in a lot of way. People aren't, but um, the difference to me and really what's made this whole conversation different is we've gone from opinion to, as you said, policy. It's one thing to support Kanye and his growth as a human being and him figuring out his place in the world it's another if Kanye West is the leader of the free world and is implementing the kinds of things he's talking about in this interview. That's uh, that's a whole different bag. Yeah. I mean, I think that gets into not to get, I mean, I mean, this has to be a political episode in general, <laughs> but it's, I think that gets at something where people talk about freedom of speech regarding, uh, you know, people with more uh, dynamic, dynamics not even the right word like supremacist fueled Mm. (laughs) content not putting kanye in that bag but that it's a similar thing where it's like if you look at any extremist political party whether it's on the left or on the right and them claiming freedom of speech it's one thing to be interested in those views it's one thing to discuss them it's another thing to start to craft policy around them and when you start looking to craft policy around an extremist left view or an extremist right view you start to affect a lot of people in that regard, which sets people off. It becomes less about free speech at that point and more about uh, the political landscape of the country. And the same thing happens if you're looking at implementing uh, religious standards and practices into politics uh, for people that don't share those religious principles. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That'll be the touchiest area when we get to those in the quotes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So for this episode, we're going to go through the Forbes article, looking at the points Kanye made and just kind of discussing them, adding some context and discussion to them, reactions to them, I'm I'm sure will be prevalent, uh, and just kind of looking at it. It's been about 14 hours since the article came out, 15 hours since the article Mm. came out. Um, And I just got to say, overall, the reaction hasn't been quite as like barn burning as i thought it was going to be you mean from like people condemning kanye yeah i seriously thought i was gonna wake up to just like the twitter feed full of what's going on ice maker oh okay (laughs) ice maker could be part of the show (laughs) (laughs) i was just gonna let it 
It's kind of soothing. It's that should be like a white noise, like a, a, one of the sounds in a white noise machine. <laughs> um, I thought I'd wake up to Twitter and that it would just be like article after article all about more of the dramatic points that Kanye had made. But really what I saw was just the Kanye dumps Trump or Kanye's against Trump or Kanye says birthday party is the name of his party. Uh, just more of the, I don't know, just not the, not the dramatic stuff. So a lot of the stuff I've seen on the timeline is kind of just mixed reaction rather than the dramatic negative reaction that it seemed when the article first came out and I was seeing people's responses. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's, it's been weird for me too. Um, and maybe in this part, Chris, you can indulge me a bit because I wanted to kind of get into something. Um, because you know, you had this, you must've had a strange journey last night. Like you were the, one of the first people to read this article and like you expected this uproar when you woke up. That must've been crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely was strange to go to bed seeing like people be like, Oh no, Oh no, Oh no. And waking up and seeing like, "Eh." (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And I mean, like that's been weird for me too. Like I woke up and read it and like, I was in a very weird state this morning as I read it. Like, I felt very out of body. And not even that, like, I don't know. I guess, like, this gets into my complicated history with Kanye. And, like, and I feel like this is good. And feel free to add to this, Chris, all you want. But, like, I took a bunch of notes this morning. And I wanted to talk about some of them, which is something I don't usually do for this show. Like, I know Kanye inside and out. Like, I don't ever really need to, like, take notes and read them. But I, uh... I just like I had a whirlwind of thoughts going this morning that that I've always kind of wanted to express in the show, but never had the balls to mostly because like I think it would disappoint a lot of Kanye fans who, you know, Kanye's really important to them. And, and he is very important to me in a lot of ways. But I feel like it's important for people who listen to the show to have like a better understanding of its host and how we function and operate and what we you know how we feel about Kanye. And the big mm-hmm. reason I've been thinking about this is. I have a, my best, I think about my best friend, his name is Andy and we've been like best friends our entire lives. You know, we ate lunch together every day in high school. We were captains of the high school tennis team. We were roommates in college, like everything. And, uh, after college he moved to Arizona and we only like mildly have kept in touch since then, but it really isn't weird at all. Like we don't need to, cause every time we get together, like it's the easiest thing in the world. Um, but the last time we got back together, Kanye came up and I could just tell that like it seemed like he didn't understand me anymore like it was like it hurt me a lot that he like felt this way because Kanye came up and he was like but what about Donald Trump you know like what about this and that and these things he says and you come to realize that by hosting a Kanye podcast (laughs) this is how everybody thinks of you you know anytime you're in a conversation with a new person the second they find out you host a Kanye podcast like they have this idea about you And I could give two shits about some stranger or rando that, you know, forms a thought about me and wants to put me into a box. But the second my lifelong best friend does it, it hurts. Um, And it's really got me thinking about why I do this show and letting people know why I do the show. Um, So heading into this interview I was reading this morning, I have to say, like, I wasn't really surprised by it. Like, I was, I'm surprised by it in the sense of, like, that I feel hurt by it. But, like, 
when I really think about it from more like a journalistic point of view, a lot of these things Kanye is saying, like, kind of keep in line with what he's been like, you know, his energy, his Trump energy, like he's been on this kick for a while. Um, and I think, I, and, I, and I had a much different reaction than I think though still than most people had, because I think a lot of people read this interview and they're really sad. And I think that's because like people idolize Kanye, the person. And when you idolize a person and instead of idolizing their art, then you're unable to separate the art from the artist which some people can't do, that's fine. But when you can't do that, when you can't separate the art from the artist, then anytime that person does something you find egregious or immoral or anything you don't agree with, you feel like the art has betrayed you, which isn't true. I, I, I can't speak for Chris. He can jump in whenever he wants here. But like I started this podcast because I believed in Kanye's art and that Kanye's art could do good in this world. Um, you know, I've been writing about movies and music and books and shit my whole life like I always wanted to be a film critic because I believed in the power of art and stories and I know Chris and I looked at Kanye's music and thought like this guy's doing that like he is telling his stories in his on his albums like movies do and the more we understand these stories the more we can better empathize and understand the world and Kanye has just been better than that than anybody like that's why I was inspired by Kanye I, when I think of Kanye, I think of his art. Yes, I'm empowered by other things he does and his like immense belief in himself. The fact that he ran up on the VMA stage and stole the award from Taylor's hands, like <laughs> I don't agree with the action, but like fuck yes, like fuck award shows. Like I'm so inspired by somebody who's willing to go that far. Um, but I think this is just an area where like I really do split with Kanye fans because as much as I'm inspired by Kanye. I'm not going to sit around and pretend everything he says should be immortalized in gold or something. Like, I'm a stan. I'm a very much the definition of a stan, but I'm not the kind of stan that, like, lives and breathes by everything he says. People grow, people change, and that means that it, when people grow and change, like, you know, I'm growing and changing too. And with that means that some people don't carry as much meaning in my life as they once did or the same kind of meaning. So as I've grown and changed and experienced all the nuances of the world, I've been able to more clearly separate the art from the artist and realize what art inspires me and what about an artist inspires me. A lot of the things Kanye said in that interview don't inspire me. They, they strike me as somebody, I don't know, they want to live in a world I don't. And it's, diff and it's one thing for it to be your opinion, but it's another thing for it to be policy that's going to affect my life and the people I love lives. Um, and I guess that's really, that's really, that's my way of encapsulating what's been going on this morning. Like Kanye is flawed and complicated. And as I've gotten older, I've become flawed and complicated. Like I've understood this is the way people are, but I, I always think of the Matthew McConaughey Oscar speech where they asked him like, who's your hero? They asked him this when he was a kid and he thought about it and he said, my hero is me in 10 years. And I've always thought about that. And I love that because it made me realize that like, I need to be idolizing myself. I can't idolize Kanye, the person because Kanye, the person is going to do stuff I don't agree with. <laughs> and he's going to live his life in ways I don't think I should. And if he becomes president, he's clearly trying to lead this nation in a way that like, doesn't, you know, jive with what I believe in. Um, so all that said, 
in my mind, this is why I separate art from artists because the artist can betray you, but the art can't. Like art is immortal. It is what it is. Even if Kanye goes in and bleeps out all the curse words in his songs, like <laughs> the art, like I'll still have my copy of the college dropout. Like it is what it is. It exists, and there's nothing the, in the world that Kanye, the person, could ever do or say that would change that. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Which, that's a very interesting point. Like, so much of what you said, I agree with. And I I do want to remind people, I feel like a lot of them already know, but as much as we are fans of Kanye's art, as much as we are fans of Kanye, uh, the person, or have, like, the, the aspects of him that we admire, we're also, like journalists and scholars of Kanye as well and that this isn't just overall like fan podcast fun but is also like a career work for us in understanding like the work of this artist but also uh, discussing the artist and contextualizing the artist it's no different than it's a modernized version of what scholars have been doing in like journal articles and books and teaching classes on people for years, right? Mm-hmm. We're just doing it in podcast form and on social media and in a tone and style that's much more like, uh, I don't know, conversational. But yeah, there's there's a layers to that as people that are fans of the music, uh, people that have a relationship with the artist and then as just scholars approaching Kanye from that perspective. But it is interesting because I feel like I've had less, like a harder time separating art from artists. Just Mm -hmm. I can do it generally. Like I don't listen to a Pink Floyd album and think like, (laughs) Oh, what were the artists saying? Or like Beatle, like just, I'd say 99.99% of the time I do. But with Kanye and the relationship that we've developed with him, I feel like it's become harder for me Mm -hmm. to make that separation and maybe not so much before. Right. But I think this is the time where it's become the most challenging because uh, I put it into context of sequels and I've actually (laughs) been ranting to my wife about this recently, but I tend to get really bothered by sequels. And this came up from Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049 because at the end of Blade Runner, you have Deckard running off with Rachel and you realize that he's either a replicant or a human that's fallen in love with this other replicants. Uh, and they're going to go have this relationship for as long as they can have it. And there's something beautiful about them not knowing how much time they have and trying to escape and run away from this like system that they've been a part of to just have each other and what that represents for each of them. Uh, if Deckard's a human, then it means that he sees this person that he thought of as only um, a created thing now as being like a person. 
due to the journey he went on or if he's a replicant he at least has this awareness of himself and her like there's cool stuff but when you look at blade runner 2049 it just says like yeah they ran to this thing and he left and they didn't see each other and it's been like 30 years and it takes whatever potential their love story had and eliminates it and Mm -hmm. defines it as just what it is same thing with fight club like they did a sequel to Fight Club, and it's like ten years later. Like you Tyler and Marlon, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I was like, is there a yeah, movie? Yeah, yeah, not the movie. <laughs> and ten years later, Tyler and Marla like are having a kid, and Tyler's stressed again, and his other self comes back, burns the house down, and now he's like fighting with himself again. And you're like, okay, so everything that we went through in the first movie just gets thrown out the window, and now he's back to having the same issues. It kind of spoils the first movie in some way if i start to engage with that so there's something like going back to listening to college dropout or late registration and knowing that kanye's views have changed to a certain degree so much in some ways they're very much the same right Mm -hmm. and i think that's why the albums will always be relevant and powerful to me no matter what it is kanye does but there's a little bit of a bittersweet aspect uh as kanye kind of not just loses some of the innocence that he had but Uh, starts to define himself more through his religious beliefs Mm -hmm. and how that maybe goes against or how that conflicts with things that he had said or done or stances he had had earlier in his albums that you just start to see more of the gap between where he was at then and where he's at now and feeling i mean some people won't mind at all they'll appreciate that and others like for myself will feel like oh this is a little a little sad. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally feel everything you're saying and don't disagree with any of it and empathize with a lot of it. And I think I'm going through something similar. I guess I would phrase it as like, it isn't harder for me to separate art from artists, but like that line and that like feeling and mindset that comes with that has, is different. Like it just feels different now to go back and listen to College Dropout. It doesn't make me like it less or appreciate it less, but listening to College Dropout with like, Kanye's this interview of mine like yeah shit's different now it's it's not the same uh yeah I don't remember what else I was gonna say but yeah that's pretty much (laughs) which I like on the one hand I know this is gonna sound alarmist to some people especially coming from us on the other hand I I do think it's healthy to be able to talk about this stuff Mm -hmm. and just to be able to no, like with any relationship with anyone or anything, you're going to have like periods where you have conflict. I mean, it would be nice if you didn't, but it happens. And I don't think it's anything more severe than us processing this and looking at it and having our initial reactions. And that'll change over time as well. But eh, 15 hours removed from the interview, this is where we're at. <laughs> also, if you want to host a Kanye West podcast, you better accept that your life is going to be a little stressful sometimes. So we're okay with this. <laughs> like we're we're going to go through this interview. We're going to do it. Yeah. Um, real fast, I wanted to get more into, I guess, some yeah. scene setting. I had just recorded a YouTube video that was going over a lot of the response to Kanye's announcements. And it was me kind of speculating on where he had been politically and things he had said, kind of what we did in our initial reaction uh, to Kanye's announcements. And I literally finished the video 
opened up YouTube to upload it, had clicked upload, but it had reloaded for some reason. So I just checked Twitter real fast and I saw the interview was posted and I started reading it and just immediately deleted the video because I was like, this is, this is no longer, uh, part of everything and i was seeing the initial responses i just tweeted out real fast like what is this interview (laughs) after reading the first paragraph and a lot of the responses i was getting was like don't it's bad like hide stay off twitter Mm. and i read all of it then made a 40 minute youtube video on it but i was really curious because it was like two in the morning uh how you and jordan were going to feel and had sent you (laughs) all some texts that were uh, priming material yeah but waking up to that like what was that like for you heading into things yeah that was uh that was interesting it was actually nice to be able to talk about that with jordan right off the bat in the morning because when you read an interview like this you have some very immediate reactions and you want to be the instinct is to be dramatic and declare something immediately but it was nice to kind of steep in it and bounce my thoughts off somebody and I guess what I realized by doing that is what I've already said is that th- this interview like isn't crazy surprising to me. Like it's disappointing. Um, Kanye's my guy. Like I don't like to hear him saying a lot of the stuff he's saying, like the anti-vax stuff. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, this is it's this is Kanye in a nutshell. Like this is what he does. He's he's never not controversial. Um, I think he's just finally taken it to a different level and, it, and it's because and i liked what jordan said actually um it's because kind of going political and politics is not the same thing as art and in art like you can create these worlds that are reflection of reality where they have their own rules and their own characters and and you can look at these worlds and think like you know that's the kind of world i want to live in or that that informs me about the world i live in this is not that this is kanye in reality speaking english like saying things we all understand and like there's no i mean there's no second guessing what he's saying or reading into like what kind of said is what he says and what he believes and what he apparently plans to do if he ever actually became president if, I, I have no idea if that could happen but trump became president so maybe it fucking could i don't know uh, but yeah i guess the, the, that kind of encapsulates how i was feeling this morning <laughs> yeah i I think there's two things like heading into the interview that we probably need to keep in mind Mm -hmm. is that it says up front that this was a four hour interview. (laughs) Of course. Or over the course of four hours. uh, This is what Kanye said, but we don't know how much of that was actually like what's in how much of that makes up the inner like what's in the article. right? Right. Like, is this. 90% of what he said? Is this 20% of what he said? Is there important context that's cut that would have made at least some of these stances or aspects feel more fleshed out, more agreeable, even more problematic? Uh, People keep pointing to the line that Kanye just had about uh, they be editing the interviews. Was Mm -hmm. that it? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just like, yeah, this is a pretty good example of something that like we have no idea what the context was for a lot of this. And even if what's said is in order of what was said, right? Which I yeah. don't know how much that would really matter at the end of the day, but it's still a consideration that you look at the TMZ interview and how different that is <laughs> if you just see the initial quote 
versus what was before it, what was after it. Like, are there things like that that didn't make this article? So that's one thing that maybe something we should have said up front just even is that we're reacting to this as it's presented without knowing what else is in there or missing, which could change opinion or maybe not. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say really quick, like as a journalist who has had really marathon interviews before that go like a couple hours, like it's kind of the curse of a journalist that you can't use everything. And Kanye West agreed to a written article. Like he has to know like something like that's going to happen, especially if you ramble for four hours, like, can only use so much of that so i actually think this article i would imagine like it's ethical and the the uh randall who wrote it like was trying his best to represent what kanye said in response to i mean it is a platform article like it is literally kanye's platform like all it is is randall asking a question and like here's kanye's answer and yes of course like we don't have the full quote, but Connie didn't do a podcast or go on TMZ. Like he agreed to a written interview. So this is what we have. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, some of the positions like the, the vaccination stuff or God in school stuff, a lot of the things that I think for each of us are a little bit more of the, eh, mm. things. I don't know how much more context would, matter in that right. case because it's more of just a stance yes they are as you said they are what they are um and i think that gets into i mean the other priming thing that as you said a lot of this probably isn't surprising when you step back and think about it right mm-hmm. it might be surprising if you're considering what like 2016 kanye would have said or what 2010 kanye would have said but if we really look at where Kanye has gone since 2018 and the development of his Christian beliefs, a lot of this is in line with known conservative and Christian stances. And that makes a lot of it not surprising. It's just surprising with everything that Kanye had said before that this has become his position on it. (laughs) The other thing I want to do to prime all this is that, I mean, 2020 has been just a hell fuck of a year. I don't even know if that's a word, but it seems right in this case. <laughs> um, but I, I feel like the one good thing I've gotten out of it is like, I've, tr- and I've always thought this, but now I've really understood the importance of listening and listening to people who are oppressed and need help and who feel uh, just dejected by the government. Like people who are in a low place that I can't inherently relate to all I have to do is listen. And I've always felt that way about Kanye actually. And I've, and I felt that way about him since 2018 thinking about like where he's really trying to come from and what he's really trying to say. So, I mean, with that said, like that, that's kind of the stance I'm going to bring to a lot of this. Cause it's one thing to listen to Kanye, the person and this guy who has opinions and, you know, thinks the world should be this way or that, but it's another, if he's going to be a politician, I, I think about politicians very differently <laughs> about their opinions because their opinions become something else and control my life. So I, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to bring that into this because I imagine that an African American's view of this article would be much different than mine. A woman's view of this article would be much different than mine. And I'm trying to consider all of that as we look through this. And that's all I can do. Like it's, I feel like it's not really on me to have like, opinions on a lot of this policy that doesn't affect me 
And so I just would say that's kind of the mindset. I'm pretty into it. That was something I was thinking about the other day or just yesterday. Uh, an NBA player, Steven Jackson, got a lot of flack because he put, or no, Deshaun Jackson, sorry, put up an NFL player for the Eagles. I think he's still on the Eagles. Put up a post on Instagram that was quoting the it's attributed to Hitler, which is never a good way to start a conversation, but it's actually, was it a Hitler quote? It's from what I was reading. It's actually like nation of Islam, uh, quote, but it was something about, um, black people are the true children of Israel. And there were statements in the quote. It was a few paragraphs, uh, short paragraphs that are anti-Semitic in ways but are also very like pro-black and jackson was using it as kind of like a something to feel empowered by i Mm -hmm. i believe and it's something that even at the start of a written testimony uh the jay electronica album there's a similar quote at the beginning of that and he was getting a ton of flack like oh anti-semitic anti-semitic like how can you quote hitler yada 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 all these people like really attacking and steven jackson the nba player like came to his defense and saying there's like truth in this yada yada and people started attacking him and on the one hand like i get being against anything like that you perceive to come from hitler or even reading into the anti-semitic aspects of it and being like how can you support a statement of that but it also speaks to the fact that i think minority communities in america feel such pressure and oppression that a quote that gives them a sense of empowerment or gives someone a sense of empowerment, whether it's you're in a group that is racially oppressed, like, or even just politically oppressed or Mm -hmm. genderly oppressed, like anything, any kind of oppressed perspective, when you hear something that makes you feel special and feel relevant, it's empowering. It's nice. And I think that's more of where Jackson was coming from than anything else, which, yeah, I makes sense to me, like what you were saying. Like, there's perspectives that, like, you and I can't really understand from our experiences, but we can try to put ourselves in a position to understand where somebody might be coming from or why this is appealing or making sense from what they go through and experience. Yeah, or even if you relate to Kanye's music in a much different way as in here's this black man like speaking to the black youth and building them up to see that person become this like that's a very different mindset for which to read this interview like it's just something we always have to consider as like two white guys hosting a Kanye West podcast it's we can't possibly do an episode like this justice but we're gonna try yeah so uh let's get into it we're just gonna read through and have our uh, responses at the ready. So <laughs> uh, Randall Lane, Forbes staff, he is the chief content officer and editor of Forbes and post on business, philanthropy, and food. Mm. Huh. Okay. I am chief content officer and editor of Forbes and post <laughs> on business. How I said it, that read wrong. And I was just like, did the chief content officer and editor of Forbes have like a grammatical error in his? Oh, okay. I think he's telling us he'd like to have a burger with us. So. Uh, 
Uh, so it starts with kind of a, a header. Uh, Kanye West's 4th of July declaration via tweet that he was running for president lit the internet on fire, even as pundits were trying to discern how serious he was. Over the course of four rambling hours, just have to throw rambling in there, of <laughs> interviews on Tuesday, the billionaire rapper turned sneaker mogul revealed. And then let's just get into it. That he's running for president in 2020 under a new banner, the birthday party with guidance from Elon Musk and an obscure vice presidential candidate he's already chosen. Like anything I've ever done in my life, says West, I'm doing to win. Uh, Sounds very West. Very West. And the birthday party party, actually, there was an interview somebody posted that I believe he was on Breakfast Club or one of Chicago radio stations in 2018. And he actually, it could have actually been Breakfast Club, like, back in 2016 or something but he makes mention that his party would be the birthday party and they all kind of laugh and they're like what's that mean and Kanye kind of sits there he's like it's just a joke (laughs) (laughs) uh and they all laugh again so it's just funny that like he comes back to birthday party it is funny this joke really spiraled spiraled out of control (laughs) (laughs) it's elaborate (laughs) it's an elaborate one the long um yeah and so this confirms like the theory that this isn't just album promotion. He's saying that he wants wants to win. Yeah. Uh, we get that he no longer supports President Trump. I'm taking the red hat off with this interview. Okay, that's that's a huge thing. Uh, actually, that's the headline that I've seen the most in response to this article, uh, rather than anything else. Is just like Kanye done with Trump. That is interesting because, like, he's supposedly denouncing trump even though it seems like he still likes trump for all the reasons he likes trump and he will be running as an independent if trump is the republican i don't know seems weird yeah but i guess at this point you know that you can't campaign as a republican against trump sure that makes sense especially at this point is it the primary over yeah, although Kanye doesn't seem to care about rules when it comes to that kind of stuff. <laughs> no, I mean, even for him, I feel like he was just like, why would I primary? Like, <laughs> I'm just in the race. Like, that's it. I'm in the race. <laughs> I'm not getting told by a party that like, yeah, I did it. Like, yeah. I'm winning once and I'm winning everything. Uh, that he's okay with siphoning off black votes from the Democratic nominee, thus helping Trump. I'm not denying it. I just told you to say that black vote is democratic is a form of racism and white supremacy. And that's one where when I first read it, I'm just like, well, there it is. Mm. But looking back on it now, like, is there context ahead of this after this? Like, We're getting the contextualizing from Randall, Mm -hmm. which might be accurate, but also just given everything else that we've seen (laughs) be taken out of context by Kanye over time. When he's saying, I'm not denying it. Is it specifically that? Mm hmm. But it does seem that Kanye doesn't want people to vote for Biden. So, <laughs> Okay, sure. We get it. Yeah. Uh, that he's never voted in his life. We knew that. That he was sick with COVID-19 in February. That was actually Oof, pretty shocking. big revelation. Yeah. Yeah. And especially the way um, he talks about it in the interview. That was some weird shit to read. Yeah. Uh, the strange thing, I mean, maybe I should save it for later, but I feel like we saw him still like wearing the mask, like with his family, uh, quarantining and doing all of that. 
I almost imagine if I just, it just surprised me because it seemed like the things that somebody would do if they didn't have it. Right. Rather than, mm-hmm. I feel like if people have it, they feel a little bit more invincible. Yeah. Not to doubt it, but it was just surprising to me. Yeah. Uh, that he's suspicious of coronavirus of a coronavirus vaccine terming vaccines the mark of the beast we'll get into that we will uh, that he believes planned parenthoods have been placed inside cities by white supremacists to do the devil's work and i found out more information about that theory today so we'll get into that yeah. <laughs> and that he envisions a white house organizational model based on the secret country of wakanda and black panther i gotta say that was probably the least surprising bullet point of all of them. Yeah, that's one of the ones where I'm just like, that's classic Kanye, and people yeah. are going to take that way out of like context. And I mean, honestly, like, it sounds kind of cool. Uh, uh, kind of cool. I don't know. I just like I love when Kanye talks like that. Well, it's one of those things. It's like I feel like literature, movies, art like, often envisions what things could be, and then right. people respond to that by saying like, "Oh, can we take aspects of that? Like, those are good ideas." How can we implement these? Like a lot of the speculative sci-fi of the 40s, 50s, and 60s went on to form a lot of like what scientists were attempting to do or like, is this possible, you know? Right. And Kanye's always, I mean, he's always done that. The Yeezus tour like reflected Holy Mountain, you know, the, what, what's that director's name? Uh, <laughs> Jodorowsky. Uh, Jodorowsky. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, Kanye always does this, so. It's more, I think, him speaking just a way of, like, providing context and, like, an image you could put in your head. Like, oh, that's what he means. Right. And, like, this is what I'm drawing inspiration from. Right. Like, we can connect to the shared concept of this. Now let's apply it. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to part one of our evaluation of the Kanye Forbes interview. Tomorrow you can find part two. And then on Friday we will post part three. Stay wavy. I tell them, raise your glasses, your glasses, your glasses too.